Welcome to Highway Freaks. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host. Introducing my road crew from British Columbia, Canada, Cruising Corinne and Motorhead Mark. From Indiana, it's Ghost Hunter Greg and our Canadian singer, songwriter, and truck driver, GM Blacktop. Produced by Calgary's Power Path. We are Highway Freaks, real truckers, real life. Yes, we are Highway Freaks, and welcome to podcast number 59, the first visit of 2024. We are back. We are better than ever. We have a really what I would call a regular road crew now. We have... Uh, Ghost Hunter Greg, we have GM Blacktop, singer-songwriter extraordinaire, we have Cruising Corinne, Motorhead Mark, and of course Power Pav and myself. Uh, but we uh, will have some new people joining, apparently, from what I hear, in the next month. So um, Rhino Rick will be on his way for soon, uh, for sure, and uh, he will add to our podcast as well. Wow, what! Uh, how how do I put this? What a last 31 days I've had, but we were over the Christmas holidays. People were sick. They were doing things, the usual things at, uh, at Christmas time. And, um, I want to ask you guys, we'll start with Cruz and Corinne. How was your Christmas cruising? It was very nice. I got to finally spend time with my two sons and daughter-in-law, and we just had a very nice stress-free Christmas Eve dinner together and exchanged gifts and spent some quality time together. Drama-free Christmas. That's always good. GM Blacktop, where are you tonight and how was your Christmas? My Christmas was fine. I spent my Christmas, I saw my sister. Uh, That was good. Um, Did a lot of driving and uh, tonight I'm in, now I'm in Ohio. Uh, uh, waiting for some more hours to pop up so that I can head down to full. Right. The dreaded e-log. Um, Ghost Hunter Greg, what do you got to say? How was your oh, Christmas holidays, buddy? I had a really quiet one, actually, uh, except for vehicle troubles and so forth. But, uh, yeah, we we really just really don't do any big get-togethers or anything anymore for Christmas. So I kind of sat and watched tv okay all right and i might add we are featuring gm blacktop songs tonight uh from his latest album uh we've got some of the real mccoy rocket blacktop angel and desperado lover and then we have part two of the james p white interview that i did with this little guy from cruise fm and um it's been a very good uh, interview. Uh, I know Cruz and Corinne, you listened to it yourself, and you were quite intrigued. Yes, no, it was um, very interesting to listen to what he had to say, his life experiences, and I'm looking forward to uh, the next part and him being on the podcast with us. Yes, thank you for reminding me. We have James P. White on January the 11th, the night of the 11th, and uh, he is going to talk about his passion project against bullying. And speaking of bullying, something happened today, and in our topics, GM is going to talk about that. That happened in Iowa, 
as I understand. Um, as far as Greg goes, he's going to talk about winter vehicle survival. Uh, I was out there on track pants and t-shirt today on my deck, but uh, there is winter going on in the eastern United States, I've heard. And um, Corinne, you're going to talk about New Year's resolutions and whatnot? Yes. Cool. Cool. Um, I'm going to go into a great movie I just saw uh, called uh, Mission Impossible 7. Dead Reckoning. I'm going to do a movie review, and I'm also going to tell you what happened in the last 31 days and why I am still at home and not trucking on the road like my fellow road brother there, GM Blacktop. Um, that is quite the story, but uh, we will go into that as well. And Pav, how was your Christmas uh, holidays? You had get-togethers, I've heard. Um, mine was mostly busy because uh, last year my sister got married. So till the next full year, sorry, uh, sorry, the person that got married or have a children, they have to make a festival a little bigger. So all the families around they showed up. So I was more kind of like a free labor working in my sister's home, fixing whatever I can. So my full two week holidays was spent there, you know, helping in around the house, and I'm still there. But, you know, that's what a brother's life is, right? Right, right. I get that. So, so yeah, so that's what uh, our night's going to consist of. Okay. Um, I think we're going to switch it up. We're going to talk to Ghost Hunter Greg. First of all, uh, we're going to do some wintertime vehicle survival. So, Greg, you are on the clock. Thank you there, Bry Guy, and it's it's good to be back. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, hopefully everybody's New Year will be better than the last one. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit. That, that's something that i am always been interested in is, is survival and, and uh, kind of the when the shit hits the fan kind of situations. And I thought, well, we're in the wintertime, so let's talk a little bit about some statistics about winter driving and some things you can do and don't do in case you do get stuck in the snow and this and this is for you know this is not only for just driving the family car back and forth to the grocery store or, or to grandma and grandpa's for for christmas dinner or whatever this is this can also go into into the uh, truck driving part of it and i'm sure most of most of you truck drivers are probably way ahead of me on that have things that you keep in your truck just in case you do get stranded somewhere but uh yeah so we'll talk a few, a few statistics here and most these are mostly have to do with the united states um i know things are a little probably a little bit different up there in canada but uh the first one is that 70 percent of u.s roads are located in snowy regions now i'm, I'm gonna guess i don't know I'm going to guess most of Canada is probably considered a snowy region. I don't think there's any place up there that that uh, you could you probably don't get snow. But uh, more than two thirds of the country lives in an area that receives more than five inches of annual snowfall, says the Federal Highway Administration. That means most drivers are forced to navigate extreme winter conditions each year. When you drive in these conditions, go slowly and give yourself plenty of room between the vehicle ahead of you and in icing conditions, or 
the vehicle ahead of you. In icy conditions, you should be using extreme caution when you accelerate. Which is nobody nobody thinks about that, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a little bit different when the roads are icy than uh, when it's just snow covered. Make sure that you slow down to a near stop as you approach turns and intersections. Depending on the conditions, shifting to a lower gear may maximize your control. Another statistic is 24% of weather-related accidents occur in winter conditions. According to the data from the Federal Highway Administration, one in four vehicle accidents happens in snowy or icy road conditions. The reason behind this staggering statistic is clear. Winter weather conditions make driving more challenging and it's important to take extra steps to avoid becoming a statistic. First, if you don't have to go out, which tell people this all the time but they don't seem to listen, if you don't have to go out in bad conditions, don't. Stay home. I know there's a lot of people that it's just you you can't help but get out when it's in winter conditions, but if, you know, don't go to McDonald's, you know, you don't have to go to McDonald's unless you work there, I guess. But, yeah, stay in if you, if you, if you don't absolutely have to go out. And there's a, there's a lot of reasons for that. And one, it's your safety, and two, it's the safety others, and three is you got emergency people that are out there working. You got the highway department and you got the fire department and you got ambulance and police that they need to get around to emergencies. And if you're out there getting, getting in wrecks and so forth, you're just giving them more things that they have to do. Wait it out until the roads clear up. If you do choose to go out, make sure your car is wiped off and you have clear visibility out of every window. That's nothing. I hate nothing more than, if you're out and about after there's been a really big, heavy snow and somebody's got six to eight inches of snow on top of their car and they're driving down the road, that's so dangerous. And people just just don't think. Clear all that off before you go out, please. And that's what it says here. Clear snow off the top of your car, too, because it can fall onto the front window and block your view. And it can also come off and it can hit other cars and cause other accidents. Always keep your headlights on low to help with your sight. Number three is more than 1,300 people are killed and 116,000 people are injured in crashes and winter conditions. While the number may, be, may seem high, it's actually far less than the number of people who are killed or injured in non-winter conditions. Interesting fact there. It's also a reminder that there are everyday safety precautions that can keep you safe in a car regardless of road conditions. One of them is just use due regard. Don't be an idiot. Drive like you got some common sense. And I know all the truckers out there are probably saying, yeah, yeah. We say that probably 50 times a day. One major step that prevents injuries and deaths is wearing a seatbelt, of course. I don't, I don't know that there's a, very many places anymore that you can get away without wearing a seatbelt. Everyone in the car should use one and have it properly secured. Studies show seatbelts have saved over 255,000 lives over the past 40 years. Now, I will tell you, as a firefighter for 32 years, I, you know, I've, I've cut plenty of dead people out of their seatbelts. It's just really kind of 
kind of depends on the situation, but they do definitely, definitely save lives, and and well, so do so do airbags. It can take your car ten times longer to stop on snowy roads. This statistic shows why many accidents probably occur in winter conditions. Drivers think they can drive as they would normally, and it goes the same with just regular old rainy wet roads. You got to use use some common sense. When they try to stop, their car doesn't react as fast, and they slam into the car in front of them. To prevent this, give yourself plenty of room on the road and begin braking far ahead when you have to stop. 46% of Americans have not prepped their cars for winter conditions. This is another one that just drives me crazy. Just make sure your car is ready to go. Despite statistics that indicate the dangers of winter driving, almost half of Americans in recent polls said their vehicle is not ready for snowy or icy weather. Just 8% that said they have a winter emergency kit packed in their car. Part of safe driving is preparation. Make sure your tires are in good condition. Oops, I'm going to be a bad one about that right now. Make sure they're in good condition and that all of your car's lights work. Additionally, make sure you have the right gear in your car to get you through the winter. Pack a brush to wipe off the snow and ice scrape and have an ice scraper. It's also smart to keep an extra jacket in your car and some snacks during the winter time. In case you're in a position where you need to be outside the car, you don't want to be cold. So yeah, you should you should keep a good warm toboggan cap, you should keep gloves, you should keep a jacket, all sorts of things you should keep in there in the wintertime and and there's even even in the spring and summer, there's some things you should probably keep in your car. But I'm gonna go I'll be going into a a little bit of a list of some things you can put into a into a a uh, emergency kit in your car. But in general, it is best to stay off the road when severe weather is predicted. About 70% of winter weather related injuries occur in an automobile and 25% happen to people caught in a storm, the National Severe Storms Laboratory reports. According to ready.gov, the cold of a winter storm can increase the risk of frostbite and hypothermia. Combating the rain, snow, wind, and ice could lead to car accidents due to dangerous driving conditions. In addition to paying attention to TV, radio, online weather reports, Ready.gov suggests making sure your mobile phone is set up to receive wireless emergency alerts. Now, I think I don't know... I don't know very many people that don't have any kind of cellular phone anymore. I didn't for a long, long time until here recently, so I, I wish I didn't, but I do. Weather alerts, which are part of the integrated public alert and warning system, are like text messages that notify you of serious weather conditions and recommended actions. You can also tune into your local NOAA weather radio station, for continuous weather broadcasts, official watches, warnings, and more, I, I kind of I wish they would go back to putting uh, or on your car stereo. I don't know some of the newer ones may have it to where you could just have a button you could push and you could you could get your local no weather radio right away.
And then we'll go into uh, talking about some things you should keep in a bag here. Keep a bag of winter survival essentials in your car. Your bag should be tailored to weather elements you'll likely be facing instead of maybe down in here. It does get pretty cold down here, but just it just depends on, on your basic weather conditions of where you're going. And you, again, you truck drivers, you, you kind of have to plan ahead because if you're going all the way across country it may be it may be different 24 hours than it was earlier so here's a list of items your cold weather survival bag should contain and when i'm talking about things especially when we're talking about food and water we're talking about 70 you should plan for 72 hours of survival um, that means each person if if there's four of you in the car each person needs enough water enough food to last them for 72 hours. That's just a good, good rule of thumb. Uh, the first thing you should have is a sleeping bag, and it should be rated for temperatures in the teens or lower. And again, it, it's going to kind of depend on where you're at. If you're, if you're way up in the, up around Yellowknife, I know it's, it's just nothing but rock and ice up there. My dad traveled up there for business years ago, and he said, I'd never want to go back there again. It's just too cold. So it's going to kind of depend on what kind of sleeping bag. And again, if there's more than one of you in the car, it means unless you're really cozy with that person that you're in the car with, you probably need a sleeping bag for them too. Extra warm clothes. And that means a hat, gloves, an extra base layer, any kind of wool or fleece sweater, wool or synthetic socks. You need dry socks, of course, a jacket or a coat. It's always good to keep a good dry pair of winter boots in your in your vehicle when you're driving also. You should have food, but don't count on anything that you have to heat up. You may not have a way to heat that up. So you need foods like snack foods, uh, candy bars, protein bars, energy bars, something something easy like that. Even even like packages of ramen noodles regardless you don't have to heat those up you can put those in water and soften them up and eat them eat them that way if you have to things that are things that are easy to pack and easy for you to grab and eat if you have to water should be in a metal container or you can or water or a metal container that you can use to melt snow again you need to have enough water for at least 72 hours for you and for anybody else who is in the vehicle with you. You should have candles. You should have matches, a flashlight, and extra batteries. And you should have probably two sets of extra batteries just in case. It depends on how long you think you're going to be out there. Road flares. I'm sure probably you guys on the trucks keep road flares handy. Those are always something handy to keep in your vehicle and, and some kind of signal light and i know they make these really nice uh battery operated and rechargeable uh led strobe lights that you can use now anything that you can use to signal for help or if you need it for light or just to just to let people know that you're there in one way or other uh, a cell phone adapter that you can plug into your cigarette lighter in your vehicle it should you should always keep one of those in your vehicle anyway I always I keep one in the glove compartment constantly a shovel and non non clumping kit litter so this is like uh 
not the not the regular kitty litter like you use in your house. It's the clay type of kitty litter, and uh, you can either or you can use sand or something like that, or you can oil dry, which is basically clay kitty litter. So you need a need a, some kind of shovel. I have a I have a collapsible emergency shovel I keep in my vehicle all the time. Jumper cables are a big one, uh, just in case your battery goes dead. If somebody can help you get a jump start so you can get your car warmed back up again, definitely need a good set of jumper cables. Or you can help somebody else. You need a windshield brush or, and a scraper because if, if, you're, if you're stuck out there, you really need to keep your windows cleared off so you can see out and people can see in. And, uh, and then, of course, when you get to where you can get back on the road, you need to make sure that you're able to see for sure. And then one that people seem to always forget is essential medications. I'm a diabetic, so I have my diabetic medicine that I need. So if I'm going to be traveling any kind of distance, in the, especially in the wintertime, I'm going to make sure that I have that medication somewhere in the vehicle so I don't miss it. It's very, very important. Keeping these items in your car or truck in the event of getting stranded on the road can save your life. So now, what to do if you get stranded? And now that you have your survival kit, you're better equipped to handle dangerous wintry conditions on the road. Still, even the most prepared can be in a danger of icy or snowy roads. You'll need to take these steps to give yourself the best chance of being rescued and surviving the night or longer if need to. You're in impassable snow or your engine won't start, or for some other reason, you're on the side of the road in a blizzard. What do you do now? Of course, the first step is to always make sure that your exhaust pipe is cleared. And this is, this is for cars and trucks, but may, probably mainly not for semis. I think most of you still use vertical stacks. So they, hopefully, hopefully you don't have that much snow that you have to worry about keeping those cleared. But yeah, keep your tailpipe clear. This is why you packed warm winter clothes and boots. Clear your tailpipe of snow so that you don't risk carbon monoxide poisoning. If you can't see any buildings or other cars nearby, stay in your car where you can control the warmth. That's probably the biggest number one thing you have to remember is don't get out and take off walking unless you can see, you know, like an open business or a home with lights on or something close by. If you're out in the middle of nowhere and you don't know how far it is to the nearest nearest help, stay in your vehicle. Get out, clear the, clear the tailpipe, and stay in there. You need to get your car warmed up as best as you can, then turn the car off. Your car is surprisingly adept at keeping warm air inside. Turn it on again when you get cold to conserve gas. Periodically check your tailpipe again when you're running your engine. If you can, do small short spurts to stay warm. One vastly underestimated way to stay warm and maintain a healthy body temperature is to drink water. Either melt snow from outside, unless it's obviously dirty. Yeah, don't eat, don't drink the yellow snow. Don't drink the black snow either, because especially alongside the highway, because there's some stuff that 
you know, diesel fuel and gasoline and so forth that can get soaked up into the end of the snow that can make you very, very sick. And it is fine to drink melted snow in a pinch or drink the water supply you packed. If, you, if you're just off the side of the road, keep your seatbelt on. Other cars can still spin out and hit you, especially in dangerous driving conditions. Put your hazard lights on as well. Your hazard lights will help people see your car, put out road flares and other signal lights to alert other drivers and potential rescuers of where you are. So a lot of this I know is just probably sounds like absolute common sense, but uh, I think it's a very important thing to remember and anybody else has any Anything they want to talk about when it comes to vehicular safety, go right ahead. Yeah, I can, rem- I can remember the days when everybody had a CB in their car. Yeah, exactly. Nowadays, not so much. But, but if you had a burner phone, uh, that at least could, could allow you to set. Like, I guess all I'm saying is whether it's a, a CB or a walkie-talkie or something that works with two-way or secondary cell phone, just some sort of secondary could save your life yeah, yeah a lot of have breaks. yeah like a lot of new cars these days have what is it OnStar and all that kind OnStar, of stuff yeah. that can actually be used as a as a secondary communication also right exactly that kind of thing as long as you have some sort of secondary communication and a way to make sure that your battery doesn't die which is booster i think those are the only two things that i would add to that your list is very very thorough Thank you, sir. I don't recall hearing, um, I've been told to carry like candles and a tin can and waterproof matches. Didn't he say that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, A a tin can is great. Or uh, there's a way you can take those little teacup candles and and use a, uh, like a, a ceramic flower pot and can make one hell of a heater out of those. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, I have a uh, survival kit in my truck. And uh, there's really? different kinds of foods in the it. The only thing stuff. I don't like about, oh, really? Yep. The only thing I don't like about candles is this. When you're cold and freezing, you got a candle lit, you can burn yourself up in a hurry by accident. Especially if you're not, if you're burying your face and trying to stay warm. I know that the, the concept of the candle is right and it's good. Yeah. But there should be a warning that if you're going to use a candle, you put it in a place where it cannot light it on fire. Mm-hmm. They say that the a, a single candle can Yeah, I think those like those little those little tea candles are are a lot safer than like a stick candle. I know they don't they don't put out as much BTU as like a stick candle, but definitely a lot safer. You can set one of those down inside of a of a metal coffee can and yep. be a whole lot safer. Yeah. Yeah. I've been wondering yeah, how the electric cars are gonna stand up to getting stranded in the winter. <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> What's that? I've been wondering how any of the electric cars are gonna stand up to getting stranded in the winter. Uh yeah, they well, won't. It's the same they thing won't. as same thing. I was running out of gas. If you run out of charge, and you use a similar, probably be a parallel, right? 
So it could happen, but yeah, I mean, what are they gonna do? They can't plug in. Now, one day, one thing they could do, if you had a battery box that was big enough, booster box, have uh, like a, you can hook a power inverter into your car into your power box. I don't know if you give me enough charge to get the hell out of there. But that would be an alternate uh, alternate possibility. To, and I wonder what temperature rating they're good for. I don't know. How cold? Uh, I don't that, know. That brings me to mind, guys, that uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie with Dave Bautista. It's called Stuber. And uh, if you ever watch it, you'll, you'll, you'll see electric cars in action because this guy's got this electric car. He's like an Uber driver. And it, it dies at the very end of the movie where there's a, a pinnacle of the movie where, you know, the guy, the, you know, the bad guy's chasing the guy in the Uber with the electric car and he goes, Oh, come on, come on. You can't run of charge now. And it's, it's hilarious. It gives you an idea of, of kind of the reality of, of, uh, the fallacy of these trucks and cars that they, they think that are going to be able to uh, outdo gasoline and diesel engines. And uh, I think they're making a huge mistake on uh, probably on a future podcast. We'll go into uh, EVs and uh, trucks because I know that we've gone over that in the past, but there's a lot more new information and um, the whole thing remains that the batteries are so, so expensive to replace. And I'd like to see them in minus 40 for two weeks solid because I don't think they'll work. Yeah, it's a, it's a joke. I saw, I heard a thing about, the, they were talking about how these trucking company, trucking companies are talking about, oh yeah, all our trucks are going to be electric by, by so-and-so date. And they, they, did, they did the math and found out that every month, a big trucking company using all electric trucks every month, they'll use more electricity than the factory that built the trucks would use in a year. Exactly. They don't have the power grid. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. We got to move on. So um, um, great topic, Greg, uh, definitely good information there and good insight to what uh, we should all have uh, when winter, old man winter threatens our lives. I think that's a, a really, a really good thing to know. So let's get to some GM blacktop. And after this, we're going to get into Corinne's topic. And this song is, well, GM, it's The Real McCoy on Highway Freaks. Happy New Year. I was born the son of a preacher man. I learned a good book in school. Mama taught me about love and manners. Elvis taught me to be cool. Well, it didn't take long till my hair got long. That's risky for a minister's boy. It may not like the way I look, my buddy, I'm the real McCoy. I spent 12 years in a semi truck, hauling ass up and down the road. I learned the ways of a gypsy man. I got whipped and stripped and bowed. Made some noise. Ain't not like the 
man that you just can't touch It burns from the soul inside You can't hide behind a wallet Or what you want to call it It's sitting there in his eyes Show me Here we are, a few days into 2024, and 2023 is behind us. Some will say, thank goodness. It was all just a blur. People think about the events of the past year, and they think ahead to the new beginnings of the upcoming New Year. Along with this transition, many people will set New Year's resolutions. Uh, for some, resolutions are for personal reasons, for achievements, and even for learning new things. I was curious when and why New Year's resolutions started. For some reason, I thought it was a modern day thing to do, but boy was I wrong. It goes back to the ancient Babylonians 4,000 years ago. So it makes you kind of wonder what kind of resolutions they would set way back then, considering what we have now for resolutions. Originally, the New Year's resolution was called New Year's Pledge. The Babylonians were also the first to hold the celebrations for the New Year. The Babylonians' New Year also started in relation to when the crops were planted, so it was in mid-March rather than beginning of January. This continued through numerous um, civilizations, including ancient Rome and the Middle Ages, with each civilization having their own set of celebrations for the new beginnings. It was Pope Gregory XIII in 1582 who changed the New Year to January 1st. He achieved this by bringing in the Gregorian calendar to replace the Julian calendar. Resolutions have been set by people ever since. Back then, sometimes it reflected something the person said they wouldn't do anymore, and some prayed for bountiful crops as their resolutions. 
The resolutions have changed drastically since ancient times. Some of the most common resolutions in our modern day include ideas like exercising more, losing weight, getting organized, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to its fullest, save more money or spend more money, quit smoking, spend more time with family friends, travel more, read more, drink less, reduce stress, eat healthier, and get more sleep. A lot are just a very general and a wide range of ideas. I came across some numbers reflecting the resolutions. Apparently, only 38% of adults will make a resolution. Of that percentage, 86% of the men think they will achieve their resolution, and 79% of women think they will. And there is actually a Quitter's Day. This is the second Friday in January. It is a day dedicated to restarting resolutions. So I guess this was set because so many don't start or stick with their resolution that they set. There are even lists of ideas to help people stick to or achieve their resolutions. And I've shortlisted the, the ideas to 10 to share with you. One is prepare mentally for change. Habits are hard to break, so it takes work. Next is set a re resolution or goal that motivates you. Make sure it is important to you and you will be more apt to, to achieve it. Limit your resolutions to a manageable amount. Spreading yourself too thin is a negative. Be specific and smart. And the smart stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time sensitive. Take the big idea and break it down into smaller, more attainable resolutions. Make a list, write them down. Share your ideas with others, and that actually ends up holding you more accountable. Automate where possible, like using a reminder calendar on your phone. Review your resolution and progress regularly. And it's okay to fall off the track. Just get right back on and keep going. Honestly, I am not one for setting New Year's resolutions. I have set them in the past, but my opinion now is that depending what the resolution is, you could be setting yourself up for failure before you even get started. So make sure it is attainable. One example is uh, the gym I go to. Every single January, there's this huge influx of people who join the gym because their New Year's resolution is to get in shape and lose weight. So that is great, except you fast forward to February, and you notice the numbers of new people still attending drops. Then you go another month to March, and there's even less of the new people. And by April, we're back to the usual regulars with just a few of the new gym members sticking it out. And 2024 has been no different. We're on day four, and I have been to the gym this week, and yep, there's a whole bunch of new people out there working their butts off. So rather than a New Year's resolution, I prefer to say or set goals. I set attainable goals with a plan. Some are within a short time frame, some go over the entire year. And I revisit the items as they are attained. Whether a person prefers to set resolutions or goals, it is a great idea. Just keep it realistic and attainable. Otherwise, if you don't reach it, it may discourage you from trying to achieve other goals or resolutions. You, and you don't want to feel defeated before you even start. Another potential reason people don't achieve their resolution is they're not ready for a change. Resolutions in, involve change of some kind, and humans need to be ready for that before it will happen and for them to follow through. 
So on a lighter side, I came across some kind of weirder or silly resolutions I thought I would share. So the first one was do enough yoga to justify wearing yoga pants 24 seven. Stock up on fruits and veggies and eat them before they turn into a green gooey mess at the back of your refrigerator. Stop making lists that include making more lists. Pick movies on Netflix swiftly and decisively. Break a record. Or try a new food every week. This one's kind of silly. Start washing your hands after using the washroom. And this goes back to Greg's. Only eat white snow. And place embarrassing items in other shoppers' carts at Walmart. And the last one was make a resolution to not make a resolution. So I'm going to hand it to hand, have some questions for the panel. Do any of you set resolutions? And have you set any for 2024? Do you want me to start thinking, or who, who'd like to go first? GM, do you have any? Well, uh, the whole white snow thing, I think that nowadays we have to be careful of uh, white, uh, of yellow snow, black snow. And, and actually, nowadays we have to be careful of rainbow snow, too, because rainbow snow can switch us into a different form of uh, ideas. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the rainbow snow we have to be careful of, and the, uh, the idea of setting up for failure, I think, is very, very common. And I agree with what you say about the gym and all that. Um, I think I think that when it comes to a new year, all we can try to do is is possibly hope for. I think resolutions should be probably bigger than just for what's immediate at, uh, immediately in your life. Like, for example, if I had a New Year's resolution this year, it would be to see what I can do to pay attention and. Hopefully, the people that are making the decisions in the world don't bring us into a World War III or, you know, something much larger than just persons' immediate resolutions. I think we should be hoping for resolutions that a larger, a larger portion of humanity can, can focus on rather than just what's good for us. So if you set a resolution that you don't want World War III, how would you work on that? By being aware of what's going on and in discussion with others and uh there's no way in the world we're gonna put a stop to what these idiots decide to do at the top but just mm -hmm. just ha i think part of the understanding of, of the way the world works is to really take a take an interest in it you don't have to do it from a political standpoint but you really do have to take an interest of the way mankind works and uh if we don't if we don't want to care what's going on with the world you could do the same with climate change or you know, uh, uh, terrorism and all this stuff. If you don't take a bigger uh, interest in that kind of stuff, we become very isolated in our own thoughts. And all of a sudden, our resolutions are only to do with us rather than the bigger picture. That's my general thought. Our own bubble. Yeah. It's all about it's all about SA man situational awareness. You know. If, yes. If, if you walk around with your head in the clouds or keep it buried in the sand you know somebody's gonna sneak up on you and goose you mm -hmm. so much so Greg, much so that's my thought there I, are people like that oh yeah yeah i, I remember i remember the, the big joke was the was the uh 
was the whole thing about the uh, zombie apocalypse. Well, it's it's here, man. Just walk around a town anywhere, and everybody's got their face stuck in their cell phone. They have no idea what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. Did you have any resolutions, Greg? I, I'm like you. I don't make resolutions, and the same that I don't make promises because generally promises are meant to be broken. So um, I... I don't know if you can tell. I'm kind of I'm the kind of guy that lives day to day. Uh, I don't look too far ahead into the future mm-hmm. for most things. So mm-hmm. um, I guess I guess I'd like to have again this year. I'd like to have a good vegetable garden, and I'd probably like to make myself a little more prepared for, as GM said, you know, the inevitability of what could be World War Three. You know, gotta mm-hmm. gotta gotta have things always prepared in that way um that kind of and as far as the war it depends on what kind of war it is you know if it's an all-out nuclear war well i'm just going to pull my lawn chair out and grab my bottle of jameson and and wait to cook <laughs> wait to cook wait for the barbecue have do you have any resolutions or do you set resolutions uh, what I kind of like do is on the daily basis, month to month, like I always have goals that I have to do these many things in these many time. Mm-hmm. For the new year, it's kind of like the same thing, right? Because just like a new year, nothing changes in the life. But yeah, uh, I, I like to set goals in life so that I can have something to work on instead of like wasting time and all. So here for now, I don't think I have something really big. My main goal right now is to prepare myself because there's lots of things coming in this year from my family to myself so till december i will be busy as hell but after that my i have some goals like again continue the studies and all but yeah i'm kind of guy who prefer setting up goals so that you have something to work on and you can manage time and all yeah yeah work towards and bry guy do you have any well First thing I think you should you should come up with, Corinne, is is you have to write your goals down. It's not enough to just say them. If you write them down on a piece of paper, like as in your day timer, because I mean, as a truck driver, I get a day timer every year and I write things down in that. And I look at my goals last year and then I look at my goals this year. And you're more apt to attain your goals when you write them down because you see them every day that that that's in that that's in that day timer eh? so what i'm going to write down in my day timer this year and it's going to happen probably within the next week is number one i'm going to be an owner operator that's number one number two i'm going to focus more on my health so i haven't been drinking a lot of water in the past well that's going to change i'm going to be drinking more water and less soft drinks and they say if you Eliminate the soft drinks. You can drop as much as 20 pounds because it's insane how many people out there drink soft drinks on a daily basis. And we truck drivers, GM included, 
we are probably the worst to blame for that. We go in and we get the big gulp cup and we go in there and we get the freebie because, you know, we don't pay for our, our drinks at the truck stop. So usually fuel up and go in and grab our drink. And um, nine times out of 10, it's Mountain Dew or Brisk or something with sugar in it. So we want to eliminate that. So that's something I want to do. Everybody, of course, focuses on their health. But I mean, as truck drivers, we can't say we like to get in the gym and work out. It's just, it's just a, it won't work. It's a non-entity. It's, it's impossible. So what we can do is we can eat better on the truck. Like we can use our Instapots and our air fryers and we can use less butter and sugars and salts and stuff like that. So that's where I'm looking at is how to better improve your health. Because when you turn the cusp of 60, that's when you start really thinking about your health. I have a, a very good friend that's on this podcast and he has constant health issues. And I don't want to have some of his issues that he has. Uh, and not saying that, you know, he's blamed for that. I'm just saying that it's just it makes you aware of when your buddy has has health issues that you don't want to have a lot of those and you don't want to be like that. So if you can help curb that or counteract that, then then we're all the better for it. So that's kind of my New Year's resolutions in a nutshell. I can I can add something to that. You say it's impossible to go to the gym. I carry a dumbbell with me and I lift it twice or three times a day. Both sides you can do you can do push ups and sit ups on your bed. You can turn your truck into a gym, and uh, I don't mean a full-fledged, you know, Nautilus equipment center, but <laughs> like I lift dumbbells every day in the truck, and I, I, you know, don't I don't always do push-ups or sit-ups, but I definitely lift dumbbells every day just to sort of, you know, try to keep myself a little bit. Right. I don't. I, nothing worse than being a weakling, man. Right. I agree with you. You, you. There are things you can do in the truck, uh, certain exercises and stretching exercises. And I've seen the, the guys outside the trucks doing the push-ups outside of their trucks and doing the leg bends. And, oh, I've seen guys running around their trucks for that I'm matter. Like, <laughs> yeah, you could, you, true. Could, you could bench press bandit. Yes, <laughs> I could. I could start that bench pressing him. Yes, he's got to really lose some like weight, that. so. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely I, packing on the pounds being at home here for sure. And 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 the, the best way to uh, see if you still have it in you to run the hundred meter dash is to remove remove all your clothes, jump out of the truck, and get to the goddamn bathroom as soon as possible. Right. Okay. All right. So is that is that including eating uh, something that goes out in, in and outside of you, and then you you make me the hundred yard dash? Is that what you're referring to? Like shitting yourself? No. Taco Bell. No, Taco not Bell. even that. I'm just saying that if you remove all your clothes and you have to go to the truck stop bathroom to hide again, I guarantee you you're going to be running pretty damn fast. So you're streaking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cow on the street. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> TM can do You could do a topic on fitness and, and getting naked. Yes, could do that. Getting naked oh, in the truck by yourself. Bad, yes. Bad, bad idea. Bad idea. I can see where that will go. <laughs> Gives a whole new oh. meaning to the word one arm bandit. This quickly rails. went off the rails, as usual. Yeah. GM's <laughs> the conductor of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the controversy he, yeah, I think chain. 
GM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should do a reality show. I think I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you just you just get a little webcam and just finish f- film your day every day. I, I think I I've been thinking it. about doing that. Actually, I've been thinking about doing that. I have. I I'd, I'd watch it. That's that's a winner right there. Okay. Yeah. Just, and just get you a little GoPro and just set it on your dash and just talk away. I could just use yeah. my cell phone. That too. That too. That's that's another one of your social media devices. Absolutely. So yeah, speaking of could, winners, I could I could I could hire Pav to help me organize it. There you go. Our Pav. Yeah. All yeah, this, man. All this. I could I go. could hire Corinne as a background singer when we do music. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Corinne's into singing. She wasn't singing at Christmas hire, time, so I'm pretty sure she's not into I singing. Could, you never and know. I could hire Greg. And I could hire Greg to put all the goddamn fires out that would start with this damn thing. <laughs> Actually, uh, there, there's, not, just there's not enough water and hose, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd probably start a world. I'd, I'd probably start a, an inferno rather than the blaze, you know. Actually, Corinne just got a date proposal. I just got a text from uh, somebody that's coming on a podcast next week and asked if she likes, as, as he puts it, does she like midgets? <laughs> so <laughs> we'll leave Jesus. it at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got, you just got asked out for a date there, Corinne. It's not, you're not supposed to call them midgets, for God's sakes. You're supposed to call them little people with dwarf-like qualities. Oh, okay. All right. Is that that's the new version of Wizard of Oz by GM? Politically, that's the politically correct thing. Okay. I think. All right. Yeah. Well, the way Jimmy just put it is, uh, he said, "Is she is she cute?" And I said, "Yeah, she's a hoot." And he says, "Does she like midgets?" Asking for a friend. LOL. So. Jesus. Yeah. Just so she's got a secret admirer, is what we're saying. Oh well, maybe. Well, let's let's just, let's just let's, bring, let's bring Corinne. Let's bring the let's bring Corinne to the panel. Corinne, what do you think about that? Do you like midgets? I don't know. I've never dated one. Well, we're well, not I'm really Corinne. talking about. Oh. Corinne's <laughs> close to being a midget herself. I mean, she's like oh, four she? foot nothing, so she's pretty tiny. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. How tall are you, Corinne? I'm five foot two. If I think tall and stretch. Oh, is so that you what you? Is that what you think? on or off? Off. You would tower over Jimmy. He's he's oh. Jimmy's like just over four foot, so you would definitely be much more taller, Corinne. Imagine yeah, I, I listened to that. I listened to his interview. Yeah, it was very interesting. I, I, judge, like I don't judge cool people guy. by the outside. I judge by their heart and their brain. There you right. go. I'll, I'll, I will send him that text. Okay, then, so let's play. Let's play some GM Blacktop, and then when we get back, we're going to find out what Bry Guy has been doing in 30 days. Yeah. 
That's one of my favorite GM songs. I like it. It's called Rocket, and GMU said that had like a three-sided terminology to that song. Um, I don't want to know the X-rated version, but you can tell me the the good part of the song. Well, it's a song, you know, that kind of goes into into about the story of this guy's life, and if you really listen to the words, you'll see that there's there's several meanings of Rocket. First one being uh, the fast car rocket. Then there's the one about um, uh, the feeling good part of the rocket, meaning you know a rocket that one might you know smoke or something. <laughs> and the third one is the rocket that you know somebody might sit on. Don't know if that's X-rated or not. Yeah, we we don't want the Pornhub version. Okay. We, no, we, I didn't say I didn't say Pornhub. I just said what I said. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, All the right. third. Okay, then I'll, I'll replace that. The third one would be something to do with uh, something else. Right, a phallic symbol. So yes, yes, yeah, I got it. Okay, more like so, an edited version of the Pornhub version. Right, right, your version. Yes. Yes. Okay. Not my version. So, I just wrote it, man. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people have been asking me on the internet. I'm getting messages like, God, Bri, have you quit trucking? Where, what are you doing? What's your next job? Let me tell you what's been going on here. On December the 4th, I left Bison. I was tired of their politics and their bullshit. And I had a job to go to. Turk Enterprises out of St. Andrews, Manitoba is my new employer. And I can say that. But on December 21st, when a Kenworth T680 got delivered to me in the morning, and I went to sit in it and realized that I can't fit in this truck. Imagine that. You're 6'3", you're 260 pounds, and you cannot even put the seat up to look over the right corner of the hood. Not to mention the fact that you can't push the seat back because there's a wall behind the seat that's the closet. So, yes, I should have test-driven the truck. But repeatedly I asked these people, and they just would not have it made available. They just kept saying it's the same size. Don't worry about it. The same size. I took that for granted. I should not have. Big mistake. Then I thought it was going to be so easy to get lease financing for another truck. Well, that has been nothing than short of a nightmare. Uh, I tried to get a 2024 Freightliner Cascadia for around $250,000, but they want 20% down. Okay. At least anywhere from anywhere from twenty thousand to thirty thousand. That's what you got to put down. So uh, that was a no go. And then of course, when you start shopping around and you get shot down once or twice or three times or four times or in my case seven times, it becomes very disheartening. So today I located a company called Pride Truck Sales. They've been around for a very long time. They've got 45 locations. They have in-house financing, and that's where I'm going, and I don't have to put $20,000 down. I only have to put about $10,000 down, so much easier to be obtainable uh, to get lease financing through them, and that's what I'm going to do. So that's why I've been home for 31 days now. It's the longest in 27 years that I've been home. It's been fun. But I've watched more movies, more movies rather, in 30 days than I probably watched in 30 years. So it gets a bit trying on you. You get up every morning and you realize you really have nothing to look forward to other than cleaning your closets. So that's what's happened to me, guys, in the last 30 days. And um, hell or high water, I'll be getting a truck here within the next week. And I should be back to work uh, with my new company, Turk Enterprises, out of St. Andrews, Manitoba, probably somewhere around, I would think at this point, around mid-February, mid-January. And that's what happens. So um, what happened and this is the reason why, and um, maybe some good insight into uh, to truck drivers out there, all our freaks, is during the pandemic, there was a lot of defaulting of mortgages and truck payments. And the banks basically said, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to ask for a larger down payment. Three years ago, this would have been a slam dunk. You just apply and you could get a truck with no money down. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. So. That is why I've, I've had the difficulties that I've had. And anybody out there that's tried to lease finance a truck it is, man, it's, it's a challenge. You're really climbing a mountain. And that's why 
uh, I'm sitting at home, sitting here in my track pants and, and T-shirt and hoodie. So, But like I said, things are about to change. I will be not only test driving it, but I also have a Red Seal mechanic that's my stepson that will be going with me to check things out mechanically and whatnot. But this is definitely the way to go. I'll probably be looking at a 2020 to 2023 Cascadia, and uh, that will be the better option. So, and, you know, it's uh, it's a lesson well learned. Uh, I had no idea that I would encounter this kind of difficulty. And, and when one has a good credit rating and yet they want a larger down payment, it's really frustrating, really, really frustrating. So anybody would, got anything to add to I, that? You would, you would think I, that with the, with the issue they're having with, uh, with getting stuff shipped and everything, that it would be a lot easier for a truck driver to get out there and actually get to work. It's kind of silly. Not even close, Greg. Not even close. I mean, I've I've gone through some of the uh, what we call the A and the B listers out there that uh, used to, uh, you know, approve these loans like within a day. And I was waiting two, three days just to get word on them. And then it's really disheartening when they say, well, no, it's turned down because of this. You know, you don't have enough equity or this. You You have not a large down payment. So... It's a, it's a, it's a real eye opener and man, oh man, it can take a real shit kicking on your psyche. It really can. So I found myself actually looking in the want ads for company truck driver jobs here in the last couple of days, but I've, I've turned a new leaf this morning and, uh, I'm, uh, hopefully going to get my truck that I want, uh, a Freightliner Cascadia. That's right. That's the only truck I'm ever going to drive. I will not drive anything else. I'm not a small guy. I'm a big guy and they have the best storage space. So enough said about that. There we go. I said, you might want to have a chat with me before you just finish up on a Cascadia because there's no resale on Cascadia. None, zero. I have a Cascadia, which I can't sell. And I've been talking to guys that can't sell 20s and 21s for 30 grand. So, um, you know, sometime you and I should chat before, before you make a decision. There's a difference between driving a Cascadia and owning one. Well, I'm not owning it. I'm, I'm leasing it. With a, with, uh, it's called lease to own. That's what it's called. You know and, and at the end of the lease, you buy it out for as little as $10. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm 59 years old. I do not want to be truck driving for another 10 years. This is mm-hmm. the last truck that I will ever drive. Guaranteed right. coming soon. And after that, somebody wants to drive my truck and I can go sit at home and do the podcast. That's something I might consider, but, uh, mm-hmm. I definitely have always wanted my own truck and, uh, I have, I think some really good things available to me at my disposal, such as my stepson being a Red Seal mechanic. He can Mm. uh, do a lot of things that I cannot do. Okay. I'm not truck savvy. I know certainly how to put the oil in it and how to check the oil and certain things, but I'm not truck savvy. I will become a little bit more truck savvy as being an owner operator, but I have people that are experts in that field that do those things for me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my opinion on that, you know, um, and, uh, I do like the Cascadias. They, they have really good room. And a lot of people don't know that the, uh, Boeing people were in bed with the Freightliner people. And that's why you see the airplane type, uh, storage 
compartments and the trucks because they look exactly like you would see on an airplane. I had no idea. Did you know that? Well, they're all, they all have that. What, the, uh, the airplane-type storage compartments? Oh, yeah. Mm, not, not, not completely. The T-680 didn't. The T-680 had no storage. It's terrible. I, I, I honestly think the person Why? that designed that was smoking crack because there was no storage. There's no storage space in that truck. It was terrible. It was, it was horrible. It was embarrassing, quite frankly. So I don't have very... Oh, it was the, it was, it was the, you know, the top bunk, but when I'm six, three and, and I, I come up to, uh, the top bunk just underneath my chin, that's, that's, that's pretty hilarious where the Cascadia on the top bunk, you can't even remote. That's why they have that ladder because you can't get, that's a very high bunk on that Cascadia. So, and that's the type of truck I like, you know, that, that top bunk. Yeah, go ahead. See, sometimes it's beneficial to be shorter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're always teasing me about my height. <laughs> yes, that's true. You you would have fit into that C680 perfectly. You had no problem. <laughs> she, could, uh, she could get one of those little battery-operated ones and drive it. Hey. Although, she, she yeah. might need a booster seat, though, because I'm telling you, that seat did not there go up high enough. <laughs> so maybe it would maybe it'd be just perfect for her. <clears throat> It might be. She could probably stand on the seat and she could see over the hood. She'd have to stand on the seat to see over the hood in this thing. I drive a 379 long hood and, uh, you know, I have to really look to my blind spot in that front because I can easily drive over a bike or a car without even seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't kind of like that idea. You know, there's a thing called lawsuit and I'm not really too inclined to be sued by some American that's lawsuit crazy. Cause they'll sue over a hot cup of coffee burnt on yeah. your legs, but McDonald's for God's sakes. As long as you're like on these kind of trucks, on these kind of trucks, you have to be aware of your parameters and, and not be reckless. You know, I'm very aware of, making that double in second way. I don't even have blues on my head. So. Great. Right. So anybody else got anything to add to uh, my little uh, conundrum that I've uh, experienced? I'm the, I'm the guy on the outs here. I don't know that much about trucking. So. Right. Right. But you could put in your two cents or three. Yeah. I think, I think definitely like, like GM said, you know, ask, ask around before you just jump into something for sure. I know you, you kind of have your, your idea of what you really want, but sometimes if you ask other guys, they might say, well, you know, this or that. So check around, man. All I can tell you is I've, I've really done my research on, on these trucks and um, the resale, you know, <laughs> except the resale maybe, but I'll worry about that in five years. So, yeah. It sounds like you got you know. that planned out too. So. Uh, yeah, I, I got some plan. somewhat yeah. of an idea. So, you know, we are going to be around for five years from now, and uh, I hope, hope that this is going to be my retirement job. So, yeah, uh, that'd be good. 
you know, as, as long as we get more freaks out there listening to us, uh, and uh, we encourage everybody out there that are listening to tell your friends and tell your brothers and sisters and family that there's this crazy trucking podcast and they got this controversial guy that's always talking about wild stuff and they got this little short little gal and she's always talking about crazy guys and they got some ghost hunter guy from Indiana and he's talking about stuff and you know this other guy guy from Indiana who's always poking the controversial guy with a stick he pokes the bear. That's right. He's always poking the bear. And then they got this guy, Power Pav, and he just keeps going and going and going and going and going. Yeah, right? I'm still going. And, and then they got the host, and you never know what the hell to expect from him. He's he's just a he's a loose cannon. So yeah, so there you go. So it makes up for a very entertaining podcast. Highway freaks. There you go. So we're gonna play some Blacktop Angel after we get done the song. GM's gonna tell us all about the song and uh, go into it. So here it is, Blacktop Angel on Highway Freaks. Trust in my heart And there ain't no way I'd ever 
Well, that was Black Top Angel, and I just don't know uh, if if anybody knows really what that song is about. I think a lot of people assume it's about some sort of an angel, um, like a woman or whatever the case may be. It's actually not. It's actually about the truck drivers, and we all have them. We all have our Black Top Angel. It's the person, uh, not the person, but it's the entity or the, or the spirit that runs with us all. And... Um, <clears throat> In the second verse, I talk about she she don't have the face of an angel. She don't have the body of a star, but she keeps me close in the danger. She's got the trust in my heart. And it's about the spirit of, of keeping us all alive while we keep a million miles on the highway. And that's what that song is all about. Good to know. Excellent. Uh, anybody got questions on GM's Blacktop Angel? Any uh, Anything to add? It's an awesome song. It is a good song. Well, thank you. I've been, I've been listening to some of your stuff on, on YouTube and so forth. Oh, have you? Oh, no, thanks. No, though no, I'm not a country person. You know, I listen, I'll, I'll listen to anybody's music. Where did you do most of your recording at? Uh, the first CD I did in Canada, second CD I did in Nashville, which includes some of my songs on Still Real, and the third CD, uh, uh, working on in uh, Ontario with uh, a good long-term friend of mine from the rock band Helix, who's uh, very good at production, and he's the bass player for Helix and has been for 20-some-odd years or 30-some-odd years, I guess. So, yeah, it's a combination of U.S. and Canada recordings. Wow, any, asked, any more with the, with, the, with the stuff you can get on your computer or even any more on your good smartphones you can almost record when you're out on the road you pretty much except uh some of the stuff that nowadays you know like what the, the sound that i try to put together it's got a, it's more more of a full bound sound I, i've often thought about doing a a cd of a bunch of my songs sort of an unplugged version and making another cd out of that but uh which a lot of people have said that they'd really like with some of my slower songs and softer songs and stuff but um we're working on that so i'm not sure how that's going to lay out yet but yeah thanks GM's, for listening gm's greatest hits yeah right yeah there you go <laughs> that's a that's another thing you, that's another thing you could do if you do like a your own podcast or video podcast or something is play songs yeah, yeah well the thing is is that i said I'm, I'm a bit of a troubadour when it comes to uh the trucking because years ago i used to do a a column and a in a magazine called Gears, Guts, and Glory. And I, every every week I did a, no, it was every month I did a column in that. So I talked about the, the trucking industry and dispatches and all sorts of different elements of trucking. So it would interest me to, to sort of take an intellectual slash humorous approach to trucking and some sort of a podcast that way, but that's, that's not, on the, it's not on the front burner anyway. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And uh, we'll let you talk about Desperado Lover maybe when we play that one as well. You could tell us all about that one, you know. So maybe that uh, that has some interesting connotation to it as well. So this week, I watched Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Isn't that not a long title? Which basically means, in layman's terms that this is going to be a part two and you're going to have to wait sometime till next spring or next summer to watch part two but nonetheless 
Uh, I love Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movies. They leave you on the edge of your seat, and this one was no exception, guys. So prepare to have your adrenaline pumping and your breath taken as Mission Impossible 7 takes you away. It delivers an explosive, jaw-dropping cinematic experience. With this movie, you get heart-pounding action sequences, mind-blowing stunts, all done by Mr. Tom Cruise, I might add. We'll get into some of that later in this review. The storyline in this MI movie is a gripping narrative that goes into the dangers of artificial intelligence, which is basically here in our daily lives as we exist. In fact, it's here everywhere. Facebook uses it on a daily, weekly, minute-by-minute basis. If you're looking at trucks as a good example, I guarantee you within five minutes, you're going to have other companies that are either going to be at your door or they're going to be sending you ads. And that's artificial intelligence. And um, there's a real danger to it. And in this movie, it goes into it. So from the opening scenes underwater to the thrilling Orient Express train climax, the pace is accelerating and never falters. Tom Cruise returns as the iconic Ethan Hunt and his commitment to his character is unparalleled. At 61 years of age, I could not believe he's that old, he continues to defy the laws of physics and delivers awe-inspiring stunts that will leave you breathless. Another ensemble cast delivering stellar performances adding depth and complexity to the narrative. Rebecca Ferguson, pardon my French, as the the enigmatic Ilsa Foss shines once again with her fierce determination, magnetic presence. Simon Pegg's comedic timing brings much added leviety to the film. Ving Rhymes unwavers uh, in his loyalty as Luther Stickle, which tags at your heartstrings. Then there's Vanessa Kirby. She returns as the White Widow. S.I. Morales as Gabriel, the main villain from the last MI movie and Pam Clematif as the villain's right-hand woman. You might remember her as Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, She's phenomenal in this movie. Uh, It actually seems more terrifying in this movie because of a global AI takeover, which seems disturbingly more plausible here in 2024. To whet your appetite, here are some of the actual real stunts Tom Cruise does in this movie. Riding a motorcycle off a cliff in the mountains of Norway, and to do this, he had to train for 30 skydives a day, which amounted to 500 skydives one year before filming. That's a feat that I don't think anybody's ever even attempted before. Uh, Fighting on a roof of a moving train, just speeding at 60 miles per hour. You know, it's not too fast. Uh, Horse riding through the desert in a sandstorm and an impossible alleyway brawl between two other people that is just just a crazy alley. It's just so narrow. Not to mention taking part in the wild car chase in small, narrow streets of Rome, Italy. Just a few stunts he does, guys. Um, newcomer Haley Atwill proves herself as a force to be reckoned with, holding her own among the established veterans. She plays a character Grace as a thief. And um, she really handles it really well. One of the Mission Impossible movie's greatest strengths lies in their abilities to balance high-octane action with a compelling story. The plot always weaves a web of twists and turns, keeping the audience engaged and guessing till the very end. 
These movies seamlessly combine political intrigue, double crosses, and personal stakes. They amplify the emotional investment in the characters and their missions. Scripts with Tom Cruise MI movies are smart. They're in- intricately crafted, which always delivers a satisfying payout. Technically, Mission Impossible 7 is a cinematic triumph. The scenery is breathtaking and captures the essence of each location, whether it's bustling streets of London, a car chase of unreal limits in Rome, a totally crazy nightclub, or the majestic beauty of the Norwegian fjords. The climax of the movie with the Orient Express, a remade real train they actually built, they send this detailed replica off the rails to achieve a level of realism not possible through digital digital visual uh, effects. And that's the thing. They're saying that a lot of jobs are going to be lost now in the movie industry because people are going to CGI and they're not doing the actual real stunts. I'm telling you, in this movie, they do the real stunts. I mean, the, the fact that uh, a train, a real train, is in this movie and goes off the rails, I'm not going to tell you where it goes because I don't want to spoil anything. It's pretty crazy. It really is. Uh, from the uh, onset, the action is intense and riveting, and what follows in the last scenes of MI7 will leave you gasping for breath every five minutes. It's like, oh, my God. It's good. Oh, re- oh, no way. Oh, that can't happen. Yeah, no, really? Wow. You know, in conclusion, MI7, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, leaves you definitely wanting more to see MI8 coming in 2024. But it still ends on a somewhat high note, but not to a point where it's another cliffhanger, because we all have seen those, and they all just leave you hanging, and you got to wait till another season of Yellowstone. Right, Greg? Okay. On a scale of six, seven air fresheners, I give this a six out of seven. Mission Impossible delivers, and you guys should all check this out. Whether you're a Tom Cruise fan or not, you will still appreciate this movie. Anybody got anything to add to that? I have a question. Sure. Is it, is it like you said, there's a part, this is part one, and then number eight is part two. Is it still yep. the, a full length uh, movie? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, much like, it's much like Fast and Furious 10. Okay, Fast and Furious 10 leaves you for part B, which comes in 2024. You know, they, they, they put you on a cliffhanger at the end of the movie. And it's like, oh, and, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but a lot of movies are doing that, that are going into sequels. And it's a smart marketing ploy because it gets you to come back and watch it. Netflix is famous for it. 100% famous. They're, they're, they want your ass on the couch. And they will keep, you know, basically putting your ass on the couch by saying, oh, you can't watch that till three months from now. Meanwhile, you're watching another show, you're binging, and it's going to do the same thing to you. It's the way of marketing movies now because they want you to keep coming back. But in my opinion, I think this is a grave mistake because a lot of people lose interest and they don't watch it or they're, they're doing something. So I think in the end, it's going to bite them in the ass. The British guy, well, he's not British in the movie, I don't think, but uh, he's from a, a couple of uh, British flicks that I, uh, love, I really liked. Was One was from Hot Fuzz. Another one was, um, I think they did a Day of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead or something. It was a yeah, British it's Simon, Simon Pig. Simon Pig, yeah. He... Uh, is his name Benji in the show or something? Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. So and, I, and I, 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 I like his career. He started out just as a British actor, and now he's turned into a blockbuster, uh, uh, you know, add-on actor, uh, like a supporting actor in Mission Impossible. So I think, yeah, I thought he's done a great job from where he came from. Yeah. It, it was a great movie. It really was. Uh, I I was really pleasantly surprised at at how good it was. So, um, so you've seen it, GM? No, I just know that he's in it. But uh, I, I watched it in a couple of the other ones where he was in it as well, and I thought you know he did a great job then. But like I say, the reason I like him is because he started out with just doing British comedy movies and ended up doing this. And he likes to keep a little humor in his stuff, but He's come a long way since uh, since his early days. Yes, yes, he definitely has. So, so we will close the book on that topic, and with that, we're going to go into some Desperado Lover from GM Blacktop as well, and then we're going to talk about GM and the recent school shooting in Iowa and how we discipline our children. That will be opening the floodgates. So, I'm looking forward to uh, taking partaking in that i should say so here's desperado lover on highway freaks
And that was Desperado Lover, a song I wrote about, uh, uh, probably about a guy that's uh, always on the run and never really settling down. And, you know, as a person gets older, they start to think about things like that. And uh, I try to, try to try to make all my songs sort of make ly lyrically make sense. So that was just kind of a sort of an upbeat song about got to got to got to find your love somewhere in your life. Right. So that's what that's all about. So thanks for listening to my songs, everybody. I do appreciate that. And with that, I will go into my topic. And it's going to be a bit of a strange, uh, uh, a strange analogy, not an analogy so much as it is an interpretation of the, of the problem. Um, we're talking about the, or I'll be talking about the, the Perry shooting uh, that happened uh, just today. 17-year-old kid. Killed one, killed one student, young student, wounded about, I think it was several, three or four others, uh, ended up taking his own life in the end. Uh, they say the reason is bullying and this and that, but I want to take a sort of break away from the fact that it's an incident because all of these incidents are horrific, but they're all just a small part of the problem. I mean, people, people tend to really focus on them because they're, they're young people involved. But the problem is, I don't think it's, 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 not just, it's, it's not just because it's young people, but it's because the system and, and the, the culture has allowed young people to get a twisted version of A, where they belong, and B, what they're entitled to, and C, uh, through the, you know, the, the influences of the internet, the, sh the, 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 the bullying, the shaming that's going on, um, all of the, the canceling that's going on. It's a new culture of, of young, youngster warf warfare, I call it. It really isn't about the gun, and I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, I mean, heck, Billy the Kid was 17 years old. I mean, there's been all sorts of incidents where you have a youngster do something with a gun, but it isn't about the gun. It's about the, it's about the cultural lead-up to that event that allowed him to either get that false recognition or that infamous sort of name or that infamous uh, situation, or it's about attention or it's about, you know, fighting back against the system or against the cancel culture or the shaming culture. So I, I think that's really where I see the problem. So I don't really like to focus on one incident. I think that they're just another, it's just another incident. You could say the same, I mean, millions of, not millions, hundreds or thousands of people are killed every year of kids that are killed every year in one gang violence i mean it just goes on and on and on and on but i think that there's a common denominator and that is that a it's a it's a breakdown in cultural um in cultural progression on how kids are supposed to be raised how they're supposed to learn to respect how they're supposed to you know uh have interaction with other people uh when I was a kid, of course, and well, probably when all of us were, you know, were kids, we had interaction that involved playing sports, being out in the fields, playing whatever, whether you're rural or, or, or urban. You were doing things together. You, there was a camaraderie. Nowadays, everything's all about, you know, your individual ability to do gaming and your individual ability to get on the Internet and, and surf or, or create havoc or, you know, whatever the case may be. So. That cultural sort of, um, I don't know, call it 
indoctrination into regular human behavior <laughs> has kind of gone by the wayside. Now the human behavior that is learned by children is all about, you know, um, on an individual basis, how they feel about something as opposed to how they feel about, you know, having fun with their friends and la, la, la. Um, any, any kid can get a gun. All you got to do is break into a house and steal one or whatever the case may be. A parent's gun, you know, which is what the, the anti-Second Amendment people want to say. Too many guns, too many guns. Well, the gun's only as, as dangerous as the men mental case that's pulling the, the trigger. I mean, I'm driving a big truck. I could kill 100 people tonight if I wanted to, which I wouldn't, of course. But that's because I'm not mental. And that's the problem with these kids. The mental illness is... is is becoming so apparent through depression, through anxiety, through this and that, through personal entitlement, through confusion of racism, through confusion of uh, multiculturalism. It's not like it used to be. And, and I think that's part of the problem is it's the, the, I guess you could say the system teaches the parents how to do everything but parent. And uh, the problem is then they get into school and they get their indoctrinations there and their ideas and one thing leads to another. So as, hor as horrifying as it is that this happened today, this schooling, to me, it's just another example of, of a breakdown in society and how we have failed, how this generation, the people from 30 to 60 or 70 right now, have failed in their... Um, and they're fighting back against the system, trying to turn everybody into some sort of a, um, and we talked about this earlier, you know, anti-masculine, anti-testosterone, anti-white, anti-this, anti-that. You got to be more like this. You got to be more like that. And all of these kids are just soaking all this stupid stuff up and this woke society stuff up. And they're just becoming vigilant, not vigilantes, but just people on their own committing crazy, strange acts. Had he had a bunch of football buddies that he played with every Saturday at the park, this guy wouldn't have done this. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have done this because he had a proper cultural upbringing and learned the difference between right and wrong and not feeling like, like you're entitled to this. I'm entitled to go shoot somebody before I shoot myself. Like That's just insanity, and that's really where I'm, I'm coming from on this whole thing is that we broke this, the second, the, the generation that I live in has completely failed in, in teaching the youngsters and fighting, fighting back against the people that are telling us not to teach our youngsters anything. They'll do it all, thank you very much. And we should have been on this 30 years ago and said, y'all have lost your minds. But we didn't. And I wanted to sort of work around the panel and get everybody's thoughts, thoughts on that. So let's start with Greg. Yeah, as far as the as far as the gun thing goes, I'm very pro Second Amendment. As I said earlier, I carry everywhere I go. I have I have several weapons that I keep around the house. They're all for a multitude of different reasons. Uh, but I've had I've had people say, you know, when I've gotten an argument about the Second Amendment, oh, you're you're just like this. You don't know anything about this or that and that. Well, I then I have to bring up the fact that you know, and on July 22nd of 2013 when my sister was shot nine times 
Yeah, I think I do know what I'm talking about. And that wasn't the gun that that shot her. It was the piece of crap that pulled the trigger. And that's that's what you can't get into people's heads that an inanimate object can't do what they're saying it can do. Like I said, I've had guns around here most of my life. None of them have shot anyone. If they do, it's going to be because somebody's been dumb enough to break into my house or somebody's been dumb enough to try something with me. That's the only way that that weapon is going to discharge. As for, yeah, kids these days aren't taught the basics like we were. They aren't taught respect. They aren't really taught self-respect. Um they live too much in an internet world, and it's, I think it's kind of ironic that we're sitting here on the internet talking about this, but they live too much in an internet world where they're they're by themselves. They're stuck in their rooms 90% of the time, clicking away at their phone, and that's how they communicate with their friends. Just like GM said, they don't, they don't have the basic ability to communicate face-to-face, and I think that's a one big problem with the world another one and i've told in and since gm's a a musician uh, i think a lot of the world's problems is a lack of good music really good music they listen to crap you know back back in my back in my days you know we had amazing singing singer songwriters that wrote amazing songs that would actually tug at your heartstrings now you know we've got we just got stuff that doesn't, anytime I hear it, doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what they're trying to tell people. And it, it's just, there's no longer that, that great one song that we can all come together and say, yeah, you know, uh, uh, the guy from, the guy that did uh, Richmond North of Richmond, he's, his song uh, was amazing. And you could see how quickly that brought people together. Of course, he's kind of falling oh, yeah. off the wayside now, but... But that song was that powerful and had that much of a meaning to not just us here in the United States, but everybody around the world. Yeah. And it, it, it crossed every race barrier that you can imagine. So that's, that's, I think that's a big problem we have right now. It's just a lack of really decent music. What surprised me about that song is it didn't, and I, and I like the song. I'm surprised that it didn't get canceled uh, because he did go after the obese people, the obese people. And I thought, you oh, know the, what? Oh, they, they tried, dude. They tried. Hard. They tried to just... cancel him for that, but it didn't work. But, but I thought that, that they, I thought they'd have made it worse for him, but uh, it was so anti-establishment that, uh, you know, it was just kind of a, yeah, it was a great tune. Uh, one well, of the that, questions that, I had, the reason, the reason they couldn't cancel him was because he's not attached to any major label. That could say, "Oh, exactly. you can't. We can't do that anymore." Yeah. He was just yeah, yeah. this guy on YouTube. Independent, who put his music yeah. Out. yeah, yeah. That's right. I got a question for somebody who's really quick with their fingers. I'd be interested to know. Maybe some of you know this already. How many people die in? Let's call it USA because that's where the the majority, you know, three hundred thirty million people live. But how many people died uh, due to gunshot or wounded? Maybe we could say due to gunshot wounds versus due to knife wounds because you could use the same argument 
as as you would with a gun on a knife. A knife is a deadly weapon, but it's only deadly if someone sticks it in you. And, and I think that uh, people get lost, and as you said, they get lost in the fact that it's a gun, and they stop thinking that it's a human act. It's a human decision. It's not a mechanical decision. And that's why I wondered if, if there were facts on how many people die with knife wounds versus gun wounds. I, I, I don't know the actual statistics. I can tell you in my years working in EMS, I, I dealt with more stab wounds than I did shootings. Most of the shootings that I dealt with were suicides. And that's what most of the, most of the gunshot deaths, if you look into the, into the statistics, are from suicide. That's what they use mm -hmm. it for. Um, not the, and we can really get carried away here, man. But a lot of it, I think, is just the government's fear of people who have guns that people could shoot back. They're not going to be near as afraid of you as if you're if you're carrying your your grandma's old butcher knife. They're they're more well, afraid that, of more afraid of you having a weapon that can shoot them from a long distance. Which is exactly what the Second Amendment was was put in place for. It was to protect yourself against a possibly tyrannical government. Yeah, it's exactly what it's for. Everybody's like, oh, it's all about hunting and it's all about this. No, no. It absolutely, positively has to do with the person's right to protect themselves in their home and specifically from a government that's gotten carried away and they're headed down that cliff really fast. So there, there's a short version for those of you that those of you that don't know this. There's a short version of why people are so Second Amendment pro is that it's their right to defend themselves, which is what the Constitution says against a possibly tyrannical government, and that's why the government wants that thing done. It goes back, dude. We were talking. I think a few podcasts back, so you were talking about. Uh, kings and how they ruled and i was talking about yeah, well, yeah, yeah. they they want to keep you they want to keep you yeah. sick and they want to keep you stupid yeah. and they want to keep you yeah. unarmed so that's yeah. what it's all about mm -hmm. but how about you corinne what do you think uh, well i think a lot of the um school shootings in particular uh the common trigger you could it's kind of a pun is the bullying that takes place and it's kind of like the, the student, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. They can't take it anymore. And we but, talk but, about it so much and they say that they're so, you know, they're doing things for the bullying. But do they, you know, when, when a child, is, a student is bullied, the school can't do anything to the bully because they've got their hands tied. They're, they're not allowed to touch them. They're not allowed to do this. They're not allowed to reprimand them. So the bullying just continues and the one that's getting the bullying, it just keeps going and going until they can't take it anymore. Um, I, when I was in school, I was bullied, and and I took it. I kind of took care of things myself back then. I, it was it was kind of weird because the one time was a couple of guys decided they wanted to beat me up, and they come at me with on their bicycles, and I just stuck my foot out, knocked them over on their bikes, and that was the end of it. <laughs> like it was just. But and bullying has been going on forever. Bullying has been going on forever. I think the difference nowadays is that children of today, because they don't have the same sort of uh, uh, introduction to humanity that we had, friends, outings, 
being with other kids, enjoying, you know, adventures and, you know, doing this real life humanity. I don't think the bullying has changed. I think what's changed, well, other than internet bullying, that has become more widespread. Nowadays, if you're going to bully somebody, you don't just, you know, have a few friends find out about it. The whole bloody school does. And that makes things worse. But I think a lot of the problem is that, that the kids of today, because they're so entitled and they're so used to being by themselves, they can't handle the adverse side of growing up as a kid and being possibly bullied by somebody. So what they do is they end up locking themselves in their room and letting that internet just eat at their brain to the point where they're starting to like guns. Next thing you know, they're, they're maniacs. Mm -hmm. But what I want to add to this, okay, like is in this Iowa shooting. I mean, this guy was 17 years old. He killed a sixth grade student. Okay, and four other students have been injured so far. And so this guy wakes up hating the world because he was bullied for two years. Okay, that's this is what they're saying. And I think something else that had something to do with that, and you're going to find this out, are video games. When you have these first shooter and section shooter uh, games where, you know, they they can really actually hone their target practice and um, get really good at it, really good at it. Uh, I think that really adds to the, uh, the whole situation of bullying and makes it even worse because when the, the, the guy that's being bullied or the, the gals that's being bullied and they fight back, well, they fight back in more vicious ways than you know you know taking it out on somebody or tripping them as you said corinne or you know in my case i was being chased home from school and i just stopped one day and said i'm not going to take it i mean you might get the shit kicked out of me but i'm going to get my licks in this these these guys aren't doing that they're this is like it's happened to me for two years and now i'm going to take it out on 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 somebody that's completely innocent and it's, it's horrible it's absolutely horrible that th these things happen but Again, how does a 17-year-old kid get a hold of a gun? That's another thing. And, and where, where at that point is the parenting saying you shouldn't own a gun at 17? You don't have the mental capacity in your brain to know what that weapon can do. He probably didn't own it. Yeah, I don't imagine they own the guns. <laughs> Most of them don't. But the big thing is this. If a person is going to go out there and massacre anybody, kill anybody, it, it's irrelevant that he killed. I'm not trying to sound insensitive here, but it really is irrelevant that he killed a seven-year-old or a six-year-old kid or a grade six kid. It's irrelevant. I mean, the guy was a psychopath. We already know that. But the thing is, is but to say that a guy, if a guy knows how to play a video game, I agree that video games can warp a mind, but it's the mind that gets warped. If a guy watches pornography, doesn't mean he's going to go rape somebody. If he, if a guy watches a bunch of horror films, doesn't mean he's going to become a, a a goblin. If a guy watches murder mysteries, he's not only he's only going to become a murderer if he's a psychopath. So we have to we have to learn more about what causes people to become psychopaths and deal with that aspect rather than the result of what they do because. If we don't get a hold of what's causing people to do this, that's when we're going to lose the game here. Because, like I said, you can't, you just can't say, well, he played a video game, so that made him want to go kill a sixth grader. Like, that doesn't wash with me. Because there's lots of kids that play that video game 
that have no desire to go kill anyone. I can, I can, I can kind of see where Brian's coming from a little bit. I do too. Um, um, it's it's because they play these games constantly and constantly and constantly, and they're desynthesized to the fact yes. that that uh, of what killing truly is. This that, but it go that goes directly back to parenting. They if they if they see this kid sitting there at the computer or at a console game or whatever playing these shooting games 24 hours a day nonstop at what point does the parent go why don't you not play that today why don't you go out and then walk around the block or why don't you do something useful which is what my dad would have said we you know we didn't have these things back when i was a kid so we didn't have that problem but there's a direct correlation between the games and the parents who need to say when to stop or just plain old take the damn thing away from them. From my own experience, that's easier said than done. I have my youngest son was addicted to video games when he was young and it was one hell of a fight to get him to get off the games. He was addicted to it. It was like somebody being addicted to booze or to drugs or whatever. He, that's all he wanted to do. You couldn't get him to go do anything. And, and it didn't matter, you know, what you offered to get him away from it. All his friends were playing it. And I mean, hours and hours. So the one thing that saved him was his uh, middle school had a mountain bike club, which he joined. He took an interest. And I thank God to this day for that mountain bike club, because that was the one thing that got him off of the, the video games. And to this day, he's, he's 25. He still mountain bikes and dirt jumps and stuff. And he still plays well, video games too with his brother. They get together, and but it's he. It's a, a totally different, different uh, yeah. thing. He 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 has the realization now about it. He didn't when he was you know early early teens. I guess he would have been middle school. But um, I'm very grateful for mountain biking, getting him off of those video games because he was addicted big time. But that's what my point was. Is when we, when when they. Uh, the, the generation before this one, there you you were your parents encouraged you to go go, go outside, play with your friends, yeah. adventure, hike, you know whatever you're doing, play bas- basketball, play hockey, whatever, bat football, whatever, girls, whatever, yeah. play Barbies, whatever with their friends. But the problem is, is that the, this generation, because there's you could really dig go down quite a deep rabbit hole on this, because we live in a civil in a culture, not civilization, but a culture. That requires us to have so much pressure put on the financial burden of surviving life, especially if you have a family, financially. What that did by the use of video games, and it even started with VCRs and stuff, but now the video game, even for little kids, is the babysitter while the parent has to sleep or whatever they're doing. To, to handle the stress of adult life and paying the bills. So now the babysitter has become the, the teacher, the babysitter being the video game and the whatever movie, whatever internet, that's the teacher, uh, as opposed to a human teacher saying, wait a minute, you can't do that. That's, that's fucked up. You're going to be knocked in the head for that. You're going to be grounded for that. They just get, get away with everything, and the parents have just let it slide, and that's where we're at today. The kids are yeah, being released by the internet and video games. Yeah. And, and again, and, 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 go, go ahead, Drake. No, you go, Brock. 
Then again, it comes down to what Greg was saying, the parenting, the disciplining. There is none of that that we grew up with, okay? We all grew up with discipline. Corinne, you did, I did, Greg did, you did, GM. These kids are not today. They're getting away with, and pardon the cliche, murder, but they literally are because they are not being held accountable to the worst things they do. And then it gets to this level where they have access to weapons and then they go out and they they use the excuse, well, I was bullied for two years. This is why I did it, right? The sad part about this whole thing is the innocent people that are killed and the fact that this coward turned the gun on himself. It's a, it's a fact that one in three people that we associate with today are mentally ill and a lot of them are bipolar as well. I know I've experienced yeah, it, even, even living here, yep. even living here. We had a lady that lived below our, our, you know, we, we rent a top floor of a house and we had a lady that lived below us. And when she was off her meds, she was a nightmare when she was on them. She was fine. But you know, when she was off them, oh my God, she was threatening my wife to kill her and the whole works and the cops just can't do nothing. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times the fire trucks were here because she smelled smoke. Like, it was just crazy. Um, so I've dealt with a lot of mental illness in my life. It seems that, uh, you know, either I'm associated with it or it's near me. But now everybody, um, even on this panel, I can say you probably all have had some experience with some mentally ill person. Oh, Let's yes. see if, we are, if I'm right. Many, 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 many times working EMS, we... That was one of the big things we dealt with, and it's it's even worse nowadays than it probably was when I was still working. But we were talking about you were talking about games. One of the big things that you could look into, and the big problems we have now is social media, TikTok clout, and Instagram oh, clout, yeah. and stuff like that. That there's a I was watching some videos on YouTube about a guy who's he's I think he's from the United States. But he's been he'd been he's been living in South Korea, and he will go around South Korea, and uh, or Japan or maybe it may have been Japan I don't know but he's he's a TikToker and he'll go around and he'll insult these people in their own country just to get clout, just to get yeah. hit. It's all about getting yeah. the hits and getting the mm -hmm. likes. And all that crap, and it's ridiculous. TikTok, for example, should be shut down completely. It should not be allowed to be it's, used yeah. in these countries because, well, I mean, it is. It belongs to China. China runs that. Yes. And if you look at if you look at Chinese TikTok, you don't have any of that crap. It's it's no, very it's, it's all, very all different. See the uh, thing is, is uh, when we were right, kids, we had, had one thing. Oh, sorry. I just want to add one thing about this. There are still some like people who have their brain in the right place. So the thing that you are saying that people go to the countries, there was one streamer who went to Japan and started making fun of them and saying, we will do the nuke again to you, which was disrespectful for sure. Yeah, that, that, was, that, guy, that, was, the, that was the guy. Yeah, but now he's in a prison for nine years. Don't worry, man. He got what he deserved. Good. Yeah, so what happened was when he did that, people start chasing him in Japan, the people who live there, and then suddenly authorities got in, so he got arrested. But he thought it's not a crime, right? That he's just saying something, but it's a hate crime. You cannot go to a country and say, we'll drop the nuke yeah. again. So now he's in prison for nine years in Japan, you know? 
So justice is there sometime, but it takes some time. Good. That's just yeah. 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 Yeah, it's he's so, finally yeah. he's finally getting you know what he deserves, but for so many Absolutely. there's just yeah. there's just there's no consequence. They don't think there's consequences. They oh, think yeah, they, get, right. they think they can do this stuff and just get away with it. I'll, I'll tell you what I think is the main problem here with this, this whole thing, and I think I can analyze this down to a common to a common reason, and that is this: in our generation of being children, when we played, when we did things that were off color, when we did things that were private, when we did things that might have been questionable as to whether we should be doing them or not, and we got disciplined for that, that was one thing. It was in the open. Nowadays, the kid's demon is a silent demon. It's hard to discipline your kid when he's being quiet in his own room, and you don't realize that if that's where the that's where the terrible teaching is occurring when he's not with you, when he's silent, apparently behaving in his own room. So it's a silent, it's a silent problem. It's the kids of today have so much privacy. All they got to do, and the parents are so woke, is get the hell out of my room. Right? Leave me alone. But what they don't realize is that because everything they do is hidden, that's where they're learning how to become maniacs. That's where they're learning to become predators. That's where they're learning to become, in some cases, hackers. That's where they're learning, and that's where they're shaming people, and nobody, their parents don't know they're doing it. There's so much privacy for these children, as opposed to when we were kids, our life was basically an open book. Unless we were in the bathroom, they knew what we were doing, right? And that, I think, yeah. is the difference. Yeah, well, it's it's been an ever-increasing problem, but <clears throat> you can go back to the whole COVID thing and look when kids yeah. weren't going to school, they weren't going out, and they weren't socializing in any way, shape, or form is when things right. really kind of really yeah. took a weird sidestep. Yeah. I agree. I agree I 100%. Again, I think, again, it just comes down to proper disciplining these kids and it's not happening and they know it's not happening and they can get away with this and that's where it can escalate to something as serious as what happened today because had that kid maybe had the right medicine or the right parenting or the right just the right sensibility like my mom my mom and dad uh you know they said well we're proud of you you never killed somebody and we just kind of laugh at that but you know what there's a lot to be said about that because that's how we were taught that that was just dead wrong. You just didn't do that. You didn't inflict that much harm on someone to take someone's life. And these kids these days, like you said, they're desensitized. They don't understand the ramifications of, of what happens. And when that happens, well, then it goes to something like what happened today. Uh, it's it's very serious and it's honestly it's meaningless because it could have been prevented had the proper uh, channels been in place for parenting, uh, proper parenting and disciplining. And that's where I think that is where society is failing today with the kids. They're just not doing that at all. But if you set up if you set up a questionnaire, not a questionnaire, but a certain not a survey, but a a sort of a mandate, or maybe not even a mandate, but just a, a suggestion of how to properly parent a kid, any normal human being 
would say, you know, X number, you know, if you took a 24 hour day, they'd want eight for sleep. They'd want six for school. They'd want two for outdoor activities or activities with friends. They would want, you know, uh, helping around the house as chores. They, they'd want all these things. But nowadays, the parents are, they don't have one. It's very simple. The kid goes to school, he sleeps, gets in his bedroom, comes out for a dinner, and that's it. Uh, yeah, I, I can remember when we were still having family get-togethers here at the house, and we would have, and you know, the younger kids in my family that were, you know, teenagers and so forth. They were always sitting in here, in the living room, sitting on the sofa, clicking away on their phone or on their tablet or something. And I used to, I used to just we, me and my cousins, my who guys, my relatives who were my age would just, we would just laugh. It was like why are you guys sitting in here when we were kids they couldn't get us to come in the damn house right. i mean they had to they had to beg it we would go out when the sun came up and we would mm -hmm. come in when the sun came down we were mm -hmm. outside in the woods building forts playing army doing whatever but you couldn't get the damn thing kids to get out of here you know you almost would have to take away their phones and say go do something for pity's sakes so really, is it the kids' fault or the parents' fault? I mean, you know, it's it, the, it, it, it's, it directly falls back to parenting. Just, for sure. Christ's sake, Christ sakes, if you're going to go to your relative's house for a get-together and have dinner, make them leave their damn phones at home. They don't need them. If, you know, yeah. if, your mom, if mom and dad have their phone, that's fine. They don't need to bring them here. They need to communicate with their family. I mean, it, ugh, I could just, ugh. It just goes on and on. Like instead, the parents say, "Well, how are you supposed to take away from the phone?" They say, "If if you can't give if you can't give up that phone for two hours because we're going to your auntie's place, then I'll tell you what. Plan B is going to give you're going to give it up for two days. <laughs> yeah, but they don't think that way. No. It's all it is. Is is it's a lack of. It doesn't have to be physical discipline. It can be. Grounding works probably not so much as it used to because if you really want to ground a kid, don't ground him to his bedroom because <laughs> that's where his phone is and his tablet. Ground him to everywhere but his bedroom with no phone or no tablet. Now then he's going to learn something. Exactly. <laughs> oh. We could go on this for hours, and, and we probably would have varying opinions. Um, in the interest of time, we, we have to cut this short. And next week, there is a guy that's coming on here that's going to talk about bullying. And he's going to tell you how serious it was for him. James P. White from Cruise FM Edmonton. And speaking of which, part two will be on this podcast tonight, by the way. So what we're going to do is we're going to now go into our pylon shoutouts, which we always do at the end of our podcast. And then we'll get into the eye opener. So let's start with Corinne, who always has pylon shoutouts. Yes, so what do you have there, Corinne, for a pylon shout-out? Uh, for tonight, I would like to give red and blue pylons to all the truckers who had to work over the holidays, Christmas and New Year's, working hard to get products to where they need to go. Uh, black pylon, I, had, I was pulling out of a parking lot today. It was a narrow entrance exit, and I had a lady 
who almost hit me head on come, as I was exiting the parking lot. She apparently didn't see my great big truck coming at her and uh, just about front end or hit me in the front end there. So I'm giving her a black pylon. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that because about three days ago, I was running around some errands around Lacombe here and, and uh, I could not believe the most uh crazy well i won't call them crazy i will just call them really adult-minded elderly drivers and and they 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 were oblivious to uh turning corners um this one guy in particular he wrote he rode over the curb at uh, the no frills he parks right beside me he's parked on an angle and then when he pulls out he pulls on such an angle to pull out he had to back out he almost took off the side of my the side of my truck my pickup truck and i was blaring in the horn at him and he was completely oblivious completely oblivious not looking at me it was like oh la di da da my head's in the clouds i tell you and there's going to be a topic coming up soon there should be some sort of licensing requirement for people over the age of 75 to continue driving agreed oh my god man they are they are some of the worst drivers out there so i'm going to send black pylons out to those morons that i found out three days ago i don't know their names they were just they really pissed me off uh, there's a couple of them and um i don't really have a well i would no i really don't have any blue or red ones to, to show of uh since i've been home so uh i guess the only one that i could say of course and i'm sure greg you'll agree is our, is our pets it's always nice to have our, our dogs uh here and they're just so happy to have dad home for the length of time every time i go out they think i'm gonna leave again so i would give a cali and jewel uh two red pylon shout outs and then of course my boy bandit a blue one so there you go um i know that sounds lame but our pets are our life right yep yes so who else has got a pylon shout out i got some. i don't have any blues or go oh ahead. my god greg's go got some go Hold on Hold go the G- go go gm go mine's simple <laughs> i don't have any reds or blues but i'd like to give a black pylon to all the geniuses out there that think they're putting this world in better hands by the stupid power-hungry decisions that they use to push us all along through life. And I think it's kind of sad and kind of disgusting. So big-time black pile-on to those idiots. Okay. Power Pav, do you have anything? Any there shout-outs there, pylons? Uh, my bees, like week was busy. I will still give red to my sister, even though I work my ass up there like a labor. But other than that, I was just like with my family, no, no black pylon so far. So it was a good week. All right. And well, Greg, you have the last word on pylon shoutouts. Yes, I do. Considering all the issues I've had specifically with my vehicle, which is still broken down, but hopefully this week we're going to. We're going to get it back up and rolling. Uh, for a red pylon, I would have to say to my friend Robin, who has been driving me to places that I need to go. It's not been that often, but she took me to several places the other day, and she's going to pick me up tomorrow and take me in to get prescriptions and a few groceries and so forth. So to Robin, bless your heart. I mean, she's been willing to do this for me. Blue pylon goes out to... Justin, who is a relative of mine, he's my cousin's son. I don't even know what I would call him. I guess I can call him my cousin. 
but to Justin who drove 40 minutes up here to look at my vehicle and figure out exactly what was wrong with it. Turns out that both upper uh, uh, ball joints need to be replaced on the front end, and we're also going to replace a couple other things. So he's he's offered to do that completely for free to drive up here and do it. All I had to do was buy the buy the hundred and forty dollars worth of parts, and I'm going to have to take it in and get a front wheel or a full four wheel alignment and get a couple of new tires. But at least I'm not having to having to pay a mechanic several thousand dollars to do this. So big shout out to Robin and Justin Blackwin. And I don't know if anybody's been keeping an eye on what's going on in the UK when it comes to the American bullies, the, uh, the dogs over there. But the black goes out, to, I think Rishi Sanak, I think is how you pronounce his name. He is the, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, and what he's going to end up doing is probably killing tens of thousands of dogs who don't deserve it uh, because a few people were injured, and unfortunately, a few were killed by what they call American bullies, which are pit bulls. And uh, yeah, what a what an evil piece of shit picking on dogs. You know, why don't you why don't you do that to the people who are stabbing people over there? No, you don't. You just don't touch them. So, Rishi Sanuk, you know, block this out or edit this out. Of and if that okay. needs to be edited out, just tell them to kiss your ass. I think they can leave that in. Yeah, we will. We'll definitely do that. And I actually <laughs> got a couple more. I got a couple more I just thought of. Um, I got a red Caitlin at New West Freightliner for trying to get me my truck. Um, and, uh, you know, there was no harm, uh, no no harm, no foul. She was, she was good. And I also have a blue one for Tyler. He uh, was uh, very involved in it. And uh, good for you for trying to help me out too as well. But I also have one more black, and this is a crazy one. Um, you know, on Facebook, when you get your little posts on the top and you get all the little these little vignettes, uh, there's this one company uh, or a group. They're called Dogs Like People. And I couldn't freaking believe it when I saw this. It just blew me out of the water. I'm sure you guys might have something to say about it. This woman with the most enormous breasts that I've ever seen in my entire life was showing off her breasts, not her dogs, her breasts on a, a, a dog, a dog site. Okay. So you get the biggest black one because you're the dumbest bitch that I've ever seen on here. And it's just gross. It's a gross thing to see. I've blocked it, and it's just something that just blew my mind because it has nothing to do with dogs. So I, I see it all the time. It's it's it goes right back to the internet clout thing. They're just trying to get you to all these. There's believe me, there's probably a bunch of guys that will go to her page and give her likes and stuff because of that. Yeah, but it's a yeah, dog well. page, man. It's not but, a yeah, breast it, page. It's it does. I know. Page. I really. Yeah, I know. That's why. That's why they're going on there to get idiots do a fall for it to go to their page it's like we there's a there's a rash of things where you'll see people who are on your friends list who are who have been who have been uh i don't know what the word is but they put in into a post about somebody died in a car accident or missing missing person and all this kind of stuff it, it's just ridiculous anymore yeah it's all just well, false shit per personally i'm a i'm i'm always leery and offended by a uh, picture of a woman's got that that's got breasts that 
are big enough to knock me out, I I, I really uh, take offense to that personally. Anything smaller than that, I'm good with. <laughs> And with I, that I knew, note, I knew, yeah, I knew something was coming from there. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Always is. But And with that note, we will end podcast visit number 59. Coming up, we've got GM Blocktop and one more song, which is our theme song, I might add, Diesel Kind of Guy. Okay, so we will see you guys all next week. And James P. White, I might add, will be on our panel on next week, uh, which yeah. is Thursday January the 11th. So I'm looking forward to, to that. If you guys have any comments or questions, please send them in to us at uh, uh, roadcrew2022 at uh, highwayfreaks.com or, or gmail.com. I'm sorry, it's at gmail.com. Okay. And there we go. And one more thing we'd like to congratulate one of our prior, uh, uh, he was a computer programmer for me for the last year. Uh, our guy Will had a baby girl, so uh, congratulations, congratulations, uh, Will. So, okay, so we are uh, out, and uh, as they say, may the good news be yours. <laughs>